You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our examination of the events that happened at Khaybar. And this was truly a turning point in the history of Islam that demonstrated to everyone how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala supports His Messenger and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave victory to this beautiful faith. We'll examine some events that have been reported at Khaybar. There is one hadith attributed to Aisha that I would like to stop at briefly and analyze it. It has been reported that she states, ما شبع رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله من خبز الشعير والتمر حتى فتحت دار بني قمة Basically she's saying that the Prophet was never full, he never became full until he went to Khaybar and one of those forts were liberated. There was a lot of food in that fort. Muslims took hold of that food and it's at that point that the Prophet became full with barley and date. Before Khaybar, the Prophet never became full with any food such as barley and dates. My observation about this is that if Aisha means that the Prophet became full to the point where he had no appetite to eat, like you know, you stuff yourself and you're full, we reject that. Because the Prophet would never be full like that. In fact, it's makruh, unrecommended in Islamic law to eat to the point where you're full. It's always mustahab to stop eating when you still have room to eat. That's why Imam Ali السلام, in a beautiful hadith to Kumail ibn Ziyad, he tells him, Ya Kumail, لا ترفع يدك عن مائدة إلا وأنت تشتهي. Kumail, never leave a meal unless you still have room to eat. That means when you still have room to eat, stop. Don't eat to the point of being full. So if that's what she means, that he became full, full, we reject that. If what the hadith means is that he relatively ate more than he would normally do. Because before that, things were very bad for the Muslim community. There was hunger that many Muslims had to go through. So the Prophet would always be hungry. He would barely eat. But at Khaybar, because there was more food, he ate a little bit more. If that's what she means, then okay, we don't find that objectionable. In normal times, we can say the Prophet would barely eat any food, but this time he, he ate a bit more because food was more abundant. So I just wanted to present our analysis on this hadith. But it really just shows you how the Prophet was humble. Never he would be full from any of these foods. And he is our leader that we follow. Next, we'll examine how the victory at Khaybar became possible and how the forts were liberated. Khaybar was a collection of strong forts. You had at least 
eight or nine or ten forts next to each other. And this was a place no one in the Arabian Peninsula could reach. The Jews of Khaybar, of Khaybar were heavily fortified. It was impossible to penetrate those forts. Over 14,000 warriors and fighters were at the forts, guarding them, running them. You had archers who would shoot arrows at you from the towers of the fort. They were well armed. It was impossible to breach that fort. But they plan and Allah plans and Allah is the best of planners. So it has been narrated that at the fort of As-Sa'b ibn Ma'ad, this was the name of, of one of those forts. It has been narrated that this fort, the fort of As-Sa'b ibn Ma'ad, was equipped with massive amounts of food, such as barley, dates, oil, honey, and so on. There were 500 fighters guarding this fort. Muslim did not have food for days, except for grass and fodder. They would eat what the animals would eat. They would eat hay, they would eat hay just to stay alive. That's how things got bad at Khaybar. So the Muslims surround this fort for three days until they managed to conquer it. Muslims were almost starving by this time because they had been at Khaybar for about two weeks now. So the conquest of this fort was important because it truly saved their lives. But it wasn't an easy fight. It was a fierce fighting between them as the Khaybaris were very well armed. Some reports state that three of the Prophet's companions fell as shuhada and martyrs in liberating this fort. Now what happens after that? We really don't have any decisive details on what exactly happened in Khaybar. Many details have been reported and there were many forts that were sieged and conquered. But what we can conclude is that the overall strategy that the Muslims used was to besiege these forts one by one. So go focus on one of those forts, besiege the fort, make them surrender, and then cut off communication of the besieged fort with other forts because they were in communication. Cut off the communication. This proved to be a very effective strategy. Now some forts were connected through underground passages with other forts. And this meant that Muslims had to make a greater effort to liberate these forts. So the fighters of these forts, they put a stronger resistance because they were well connected. They had connections with other forts. They could easily replace the fighters. So those forts that were connected in underground passages with underground passages, they were really difficult to liberate. Now, according to some historians, the first fort that surrendered at Khaybar was the fort of Na'im. And it has been reported that Mahmud ibn Maslam al-Ansari, one of the companions of the Prophet he was killed during the siege of this fort and he fell as a martyr. Some 50 Muslims were also wounded. Reports also indicate that the Prophet gave permission to a group of women from the tribe of Bani Ghifar, the tribe of Abu Dhar al-Ghifari, to come and treat their wounds. So many of these women, they came and they treated the wounds of these Muslims who were suffering. 
Now, Imam Ali ibn Abi Talib held the banner as they besieged this first fort. So some forts were difficult to conquer. Muslims fought sometimes for 10 days you know, without any victory. <laughs>